Next on BYUSN, an already large transfer portal class gets even bigger. Two more signees for BYU football. How do they fit? And BYU, has it played its uh, final game in the West Coast Conference? How successful was it? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, May 22nd. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who's prepping the Austin soil for October 28th, Jerem George. Calling some rugby over the weekend in Austin again. So I went to uh, Darrell K. Royal Stadium, went to the spot of the hill hurdle. I just made sure it was ready for October 28th. There's some video I took there. Um, shout out to uh, Texas women's volleyball assist coach David Hunt, who used to be the Pepperdine men's coach. Known him for a long time for the tour. It was great. Um, he's like... Uh, I said, hey, let's take a photo, too. And he's like, do you want to, like, do the hurdle? I was like, no, I don't want to show my lack of elevation uh, in this moment. But, yeah, that's a, that's a spot, like, right at the five there. So, yeah, cool stadium, obviously. Uh, Going to be rocking, man, that weekend with Texas and BYU. Obviously, the one one shot at Texas again in the uh, Big 12. It'll be fun. Two follow-up questions. Yeah. One, we should probably call it ground-up tires, right, mm-hmm. because it's turf, not sure. soil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. And secondly, how's Bevo? Bebo, I did not see Bebo, uh, <laughs> nor would I mess with Bebo. Oh, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just Bebo versus uh, Uga, 14 or whatever. Let's like, go. that was a huge uh, matchup in the Sugar Bowl. <laughs> and, uh, like, Bebo, like, made a move at Uga, and it was like, whoa! That got super weird. Yeah. No, it's, it's going to be great. I mean, that's going to, obviously, a uh, historic venue, and BYU has some good history there from 2014. So. Let's go. Yeah, summon those, uh, that energy from nine years ago and see if Keaton Slovis and the boys can't go get one there. Summoning now. Mm-hmm. For today's show. Okay, also on today's show, Matt Brown of uh, the Extra Points newsletter on the latest in expansion, TV contracts, the transfer portal, Carson Lundell and Zach Jones of the golf team on Nationals coming up this week. Was Zach Wilson the best BYU quarterback since Steve Sarkeesian, who'd said so? And who is the BYU version of Michael Block, who came out of nowhere (laughs) to finish in the top 15, aced a hole in the PGA Championship? We'll give you our answers coming up. Uh, a bit later. An overnight superstar. Plenty of reason to rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. I got three, one, two, three, one. Sense of urgency. The list of BYU football transfers grows. Aaron, I, I think things for me just get a little bit more exciting. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU's transfer portal class has now reached 19 players. Mm. 19! That's more than a few signing classes that BYU has had in the recent past. Pretty wild. BYU football with the announcement of the signings of UConn wide receiver Keelan Marion and Weber State cornerback Camden Garrett over the weekend have pushed that number up near 20. Jerem, how do these two specifically fit in their respective position groups of wide receiver and the defensive back room. Let's start with Keelan, uh, six foot 197 from UConn. He was the leading receiver for the Huskies in 2021, uh, had 32 catches for uh, 563 in his, his career there. 17.6 yards per catch in his career. So he is That's a Gunnar Romney type in that he is able to get down the field and make a big play. Didn't we hear Blaine Fowler say, BYU needs somebody that can take the top off of a defense. There you that go. Can, that can really remove the lid that will force them to be aware of his deep potential. That's the guy. Six touchdowns. Um, He had a 100-yard game with a touchdown at Vandy in 21. In 2022, in Logan, actually broke his collarbone in game one where UConn beat the Aggies. Missed a lot of time, so didn't have the numbers last year. 
but he joins Darius Lasseter out of the portal. He joins the big three there with Keanu Hill, Cody Epps, Chase Roberts. I like him as kind of potentially that fifth guy. Uh, he's got some experience in FBS, of course. You have Parker Kingston, JoJo Phillips, Koa Eldridge, some of these freshmen that will play in. But you kind of have your core five. I asked for a couple of receivers. BYU's uh, gotten them. Um, so I like um, Keelan Marion, two years of eligibility specifically. Love that. Love by it. The way. Waiting to hear on Darius Lassiter if he will get his second year of eligibility as yes. well. He played one play in a season of Juco football. One play. And, and Juco's a that. little bit different. So there are some dynamics that they have to work through, some red tape. But hopefully Darius Lassiter will have two years as well. Keelan Marion, to me, is a guy who has NFL skills. He, he is an NFL-type receiver. Nice. And if you, don't, you, if you have a problem with what I'm saying here, take it up with the multiple BYU coaches that I had a conversation with about that very fact just a few days ago. He's a big-time player. And I'm glad you brought up his ability to stretch the defense because that is – I mean, that's something that BYU is missing. I like Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts, but they're not quite to the level of Keelan Marion and haven't proven it to that level in, in terms of respect. just the deep, okay. the deep threat. Nice. So I love what Keelan Marion will bring. We talked about Darius Lasseter, just physicality, his ability to use his body to create space against defenders. He's got a good catch rate. He's got strong hands. And then they join an already really strong trio. Jeremy, I'm feeling really good about BYU's wide receivers now with the addition of these two specific transfers. Yeah, and Keanu's numbers are career. Everybody else's last season, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, did, yeah, I believe so. That, that's right. I think Cody had more yards last season. Keanu, yeah, and I like Keanu. Keanu's the, the wily veteran, right? He's the, he's the old-timer in that wide receiver And he's the room. Big 12 guy. Like, he's from Texas. Yes, he's got Big 12 ties. He's like, let me tell you about these places we're going to and what it's going to be like. BYU has enough guys now. Yes. And they have the diversity of skill. I am I'm confident in this group. And listen, BYU may not be done. Like, you have to enter the portal, but you don't have to exit it by any time. BYU could sign guys in July that show up in August for fall It King. could be 21 could or 22 players by the time this thing is done this offseason. It all depends on just how many of the 85 have you used and who are you yeah. sort of cutting, right? Again, you can you – can this isn't high school, but kind of. Like, you, you can cut a guy and say, well, we don't have a spot for you. Um, so you can enter the portal and, and seek it elsewhere. A lot of those conversations have already happened with guys that BYU's like, well, you're not quite up to the level that we need. Okay, let's talk about Camden Garrett now. 5'11", 175, cornerback from Weber State. Another Jay Hill guy. So uh, Eddie Hecker, Jake Eichhorn, and now Camden Garrett following Jay Hill. <laughs> Familiarity. Yep. From Vegas. I wonder if he knows Eddie Hecker. A couple of Vegas guys. Maybe a year difference, I think, um, in uh, eligibility or, or years there. Camden's got one year to play. He's played a lot. 37 games played. Uh, Big Sky, honorable mention. 75 tackles in his career. 14 PBUs. Um, joins Eddie Heckard and Jacob Robinson and Caleb Christensen and Jalen Dunlap, a JC guy. Uh, Casey Lin, uh, Lundquist, looking up on Pro Football Focus, some good numbers. Um, he was targeted 47 times in 2022. Catch rate was 47%. Um, longest completion allowed was 22 yards. And then it brings us to our stat of the day. Nation's stat of the day. Last season, Camden Garrett did not allow a single touchdown or catch of 30-plus against him. In fact, it's been two seasons Okay. 30-plus. Okay. So he's, he's a guy that can play a bunch. I, th I think he immediately injects into the top four in among the corners and will play quite a bit this year at a position where BYU 
did lose some pieces last year. Yeah, and, and to clarify, we just showed George George Udo on the screen. George has transferred to Charlotte. Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. So George Udo is not part of the cornerbacks room anymore, which left a vacancy for guys like Eddie Heckard to come in and Camden Garrett. And you know, I'm glad you brought up the ties there because I'm assuming that Eddie and Camden do know each other. I mean, to a degree. Vegas. We yes. And obviously Weber State. For sure. They played the same position. Which reminds me that Aiden Robbins is the one who had the initial connection with Keelan Marion. So there's, oh. on the offensive side, there's a connection right there as well. That's cool. Yeah, so love to see those connections. Love these guys are going to have immediate, like, a group or at least one or two guys that they know, that yep. they know there, and it will help them integrate more quickly. And culturally at BYU, I think the Cougars do a great job of, like, no matter where you're from, you come in and you're part of this. Yeah. Like, and it's bigger than football. So you have a lot going on, obviously academically, but like, obviously there's like representing the church angle, whether you're a member or not. Like, but but there's sort of this like family element to Kalani that's awesome. Obviously, people get cut and feelings get hurt and people transfer. But I think culturally, BYU does a good job of like, hey, you come into this, you're one of us now. Yes. And the fans do a great, you do a great job of getting that person um, very feeling very welcomed in Cougar Nation. I love that Eddie Heckard and Camden Garrett both have the tie to Jay Hill, too, because they know what type of an aggressive defense he wants to run. He yep. ran the yep. defense at Weber State. They know They'll exactly. They'll explain to the other corners. And Here's exactly. what he wants. Here's what we're looking for. Yeah, they know. So it's an interesting dynamic, right, because they're the new guys, but they're the ones that have played defense most recently for Jay Hill. We could see two Weber State corners starting for BYU in the Big 12. And Eddie Heckard and now Camden Garrett. If you've earned it, you've earned it. Okay, topic two. Saturday's baseball game against Pepperdine was the final game for BYU in any sport as a member of the West Coast Conference. Was the Cougars' time, 12 years, in the West Coast Conference a success to you? Jerem, not just a success, a smashing success overall. In fact, there's only one sport I think BYU fans will point to and say, eh, it just left something to be desired. Men's, men's, men's basketball. Yeah. Because they never won a no conference championship. No title, regular or two. Exactly. In any shape or form. Had it in 2021. Uh, Had it. Was up 12 with like five minutes to go. I know. Ah! I know. The Trevin Nell game. Yeah. Five threes. <laughs> and no fans in the Orleans arena. You were, you were there. That's you were there. the only sport I can think of where a BYU fan could say, eh, it just wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't good enough. But then again, BYU was playing with a Gonzaga power that was at the peak of their respective powers when they had three times the number one team in America in three different seasons. It's crazy, right? Outside of that, though, think about what BYU accomplished. Women's soccer went to the national championship. Mm -hmm. Became the best team, like literally shoved Portland yes. out of the way. Women's volleyball went to the Final Four twice mm -hmm. and a national championship in 2014. 14 and 18. Think about what cross-country did with their individual and team national championships. Yeah, putting Portland down, who was really good in the league. They Amazing. were the alpha. You know? BYU baseball had a restoration under Mike Littlewood. Yep. They won the, t the league. They got back to the NCAA tournament. They got a regular season title. They got a tournament yes, title. Yes, they were. I mean, that program was not in good shape when Mike Littlewood took over, and he took them back to prominence. Yep. So and now they've got there. some work to do. You think softball did their thing? Uh, yeah, they, they won. Until this year, they had won 13 straight conference championships. That streak ends this year. Yep. They finished in second, so, and, and the game out, so it wasn't like they were blown out of the water, but softball has continued to do their thing. This, this was an overwhelming success from top to bottom, outside of maybe men's basketball. Women's hoops won multiple tournament titles yes. in regular seasons. Um, men and women's golf won championships in the league and went to NCAA regionals and championships. 
Um, you know, yeah, you, you covered the rest. Um, notably, uh, swim and dive, gymnastics, men's volleyball, outdoor track were never in the WCC. Yeah, they, they, they were PSF. in either the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation, the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference, or independent, which is what outdoor track is. Indoor is in the MPSF. We don't have to worry about all that in the future. All you need to know is men's volleyball is the only one that's not in the Big 12, right? And there are certain sports in the Big 12 that BYU does not have. For example, uh, I think, what is it, rowing, like rifle, and uh, equestrian, which is the most Big 12 sport ever. Somehow Texas does not have it, by the way. I learned that over the weekend. Smashing success. Obviously, BYU needed a place initially to go. And the West Coast Conference was perfect. Great fit. We interacted with them closely with the basketball tournament specifically uh, for all those years doing the conference tournament. They were nothing but awesome. Culturally, it was incredible. Yeah. Uh, private Christian institutions, no San Diego State show situations. Uh, but, you know, Gonzaga had dressed up like missionaries, whatever. I'm not personally offended by that. It's, I'm pretty it, sure BYU won that game, though. Well, so. they probably dress like that every day, but that's okay. Um, yeah, it was great. And, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate what the West Coast Conference yeah. uh, did for BYU. Like, and obviously BYU did stuff for the league, like helped amplify the league's profile. I think the thing that BYU did the most in the WCC, though, was uh, rush Gonzaga into success. Jimmer Fredette and that 2011 team scared the crap out of Mark Few and Gonzaga to the point where they're like, oh, are we going to get it, it blasted by these guys? I, to Gonzaga's credit, I, I'm saying give BYU a little credit, but to mostly Gonzaga's credit, they responded in a way where they used to be sort of the darling, like the, that they were like more Davidson than they were anything else. Like, oh, they're that random team, the VCU type yeah. thing. No, they became a power like that can hang with the Kansas and Dukes of the world suddenly. Um, and I think that was in response to seeing BYU into the league and getting destroyed in Denver. To Gonzaga's credit, they took over and dominated, and BYU never really yeah. got, had that one year where they got a title. Certainly, BYU won in Spokane. That was a big deal, but BYU never won the title, which was, uh, frankly, disappointing that hurts. for men's hoops. That I wanted hurts. at least one yes. in 12 years. And, and let's clarify something. Even though BYU didn't win a championship, it's not like BYU basketball didn't have great success at times yeah. in the West Coast Conference. We're just talking about being the best team we in the West at least one year. All these other teams we've referenced, one championship. Yes, but Gonzaga was the best team like in its sport, in any sport, in the WCC. They were so good. BYU still, still went are. to four NCAA tournaments in their 12 years, and it would have been five had 2020 counted. Yeah. So let's just go ahead and count it. It's five in 12 years, so it's almost every other year. And BYU sort of took a dip. Um, Mountain West, it was eight out of nine years. Nice run with Dave for Rose. For a run in the Mountain West. So to not do that in WCC was That hurts. Yeah. But I would take five out of 12 years now. The Our, next 12 years in the Big 12, I would yes, take please. five. <laughs> I would take five right now. Our question of the day, was BYU's time as an entire athletic program in the West Coast Conference a success? At TX Colonel on Twitter answers, 100% a success. Kept the BYU brand growing. Mm -hmm. Massive visibility to fans, a great point. Reality check with how we thought BYU would match up with West Coast Conference teams, notably Gonzaga. Would not be in the Big 12 now had BYU stayed in the Mountain West Conference. Ooh, I don't agree with that one. Well, they had to go independent in football, which launched BYU into the West Coast Conference. I think that's what he's saying. Is like oh, You okay. had to lead the Mountain West in football, which spurred all of this. The rest of the sports go to the WCC. I think BYU is still in the Mountain West. It could have been invited to the Big 12, like the other three from the AAC were. I, I disagree on that particular one. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. It, had but, BYU not gone independent, and, would they have been invited? And 
what's the reality check relative to the Big 12 in all the sports? We certainly address men's basketball being a reality check, perhaps. Let's go. All right. Hashtag BYUSN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. Okay, tune in Friday for a BYU Sports Nation special as we look back at 2020 BYU football performing in a pandemic. Friday, noon Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Up next, if you like EA Sports College football, I do. you're going to want to hear this interview. Matt Brown is in the details in that. He goes one-on-one with Jerem next on a Monday edition of BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Welcome back to Studio B. We are live with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. I'm going to call you Bebo's handler next time you go to Austin. Dude, that no way. Like, what's the <laughs> Buffalo's name for Colorado? I would not want a piece of that either. Ralphie. Ralphie. Dude, no way. Like, listen, I want a job where if I mess up, no one gets hurt. Yes. I don't want to be a surgeon or a, a pilot of an airplane <laughs> or Bebo or Ralphie's handlers. It's a fair point. No way. It's a fair if point. If I mess up here, no one gets hurt. Oh, great stuff. And great stuff forthcoming with Matt Brown, who is the publisher of Extra Points, longtime friend of the program, a college sports insider. And he has very unique takes. Discussed on this uh, interview with Jerem Jordan include things like where does BYU fit into potentially having, I don't know, a team like UConn join the Big 12? And how does the Pac-12 media rights deal shaping up to potential Big 12 expansion? And as promised, an EA Sports question for those college football fans that want that video game back. This is Matt Brown, one-on-one with Jerem Jordan. All right, Matt, there's a lot of news to discuss, so let's discuss the most important piece first, which is the new EA Sports college football game that's going to return with name, image, and likeness. You've been all over this. You've been the main guy on this. What's the latest with that video game? Because I will be buying this next year. I think you and just about everybody under 50 who listens to this broadcast (laughs) and almost everybody else throughout the country, it's going to be an extremely anticipated title. And and it is, it is good news. The, you know, last week, EA, uh, you know, communicated to ESPN and a few of their other partners here that one team partners is going to be the entity that's facilitating the group license program. And what that means in English is that this is the company that's going to help distribute the agreement to get athletes paid to use their actual name and likeness to appear in the video game. You know, if you played it over the last decade, uh, you'll know that uh, when you picked up the game, it would say QB3 and it would have a randomized individual rather than the people actually on the team. Uh, According to the individuals that I've spoken to that were a part of that bidding process that have been talking to EA, we're not looking at big money. We're looking at $500, $600, $700-ish per athlete appearing in the game. But there's going to be over 10,000 athletes in this game if everybody actually signs up to be a part of it. Uh, And I get the feeling here from my conversations with current athletes, they'll be more than happy to take that money. As long as they throw in a free copy of the game, they're going to be excited, and that's going to make an even more authentic experience for everybody when they play this thing next summer. It'll be so fun. I still have a PlayStation 3 with 2014, which is the latest edition, and still download the rosters that someone painstakingly makes throughout the summer. 
But with the transfer portal, it's got to be even crazier right now. So I imagine, like most EA Sports games, that they'll provide some kind of update in August where you can get the latest rosters because now the transfer portal has, has changed the game in that way. You're, you're right. Uh, I think people forget about this because the last game, right, in 2014, that was before, I was two video game consoles ago, and that was before we were constantly online for any you know console experience. And so a roster update every two or three weeks, which is what happens with Madden and FIFA and the NBA 2K series, like that's that's going to be a part of this. There, there's even some potential financial reasons that where that might be important because there's typically an ultimate team mode and there are mechanisms to maybe pay athletes or schools more money for things that happen in Ultimate Team or happen with DLC, a different kind of uh, of, of royalty agreements. But yeah, I, I would I would expect in many ways a very different experience from people that are still keeping their old video game systems. And you can't see this here in my office. I still have an Xbox 360 with the old game on there too. My guy. Uh, when I boot the thing up, it sounds like a plane is taking off. Like it's, <laughs> it, I might not make it until next summer. They're not built for this. Uh, and I know I'm not the only reporter that has a similar setup where they are. Is that the lawnmower? No, that's the Xbox 360. Matt has fired it up in his basement. Just everyone calm down. Okay, there's a lot going on with expansion talk and realignment and Pac-12 contracts and UConn and San Diego State and whatnot. What are you seeing and what are you thinking about what's going on right now this summer? Yeah, it's a difficult thing to track, even if this is like literally your beat, like like it is for me, where I don't even really write about a whole lot of what's happening on the field and spend so much of my time as a reporter talking to the lawyers and the media consultants and the third party groups that help broker these kind of agreements, trying to track what's actually happening versus what is uh, an interested party trying to negotiate through the media in public is is very difficult. So you're going to you're going to see and you hear a lot of things we have here for a while. I think if I was a BYU fan, one thing I would just want to become comfortable with as a new member here of the Big 12 is that you have conference leadership that is willing to try almost anything to increase their revenue, to increase their marketability and their exposure, not just throughout the country, outside of the footprint in places like New York and Los Angeles, but potentially Mexico City, potentially Monterey, potentially globally. So that means you're just going to you're going to hear a lot. And some of those ideas aren't going to come to fruition. Some of those will and they won't be as successful. And some of them will and they will be very successful. And if you're used to a more staid, conservative, traditional conference leadership that maybe BYU has enjoyed in other leagues and and that's OK, that's not what the Big 12 is right now. I would be pretty surprised if the Big 12 ends up actually taking UConn. And part of that is because I'm I would, I'm pretty skeptical based on what I've heard as a reporter right now that UConn would even accept that. But there's a lot of things that may end up happening that if you had asked fans or asked a lot of reporters a year and a half ago if that was, if that was reasonable or possible with the Big 12, the answer would be no. And so I can see that is something that could be very exciting and, and maybe a little frustrating, but mostly exciting, I think, for fans in this market over the coming months. When BYU uh, entered the Big 12, which officially they'll join in July 1st, but uh, in uh, you know, September of 2021, we did not anticipate the Pac-12 versus Big 12 sort of rivalry that sort of spawned from BYU, Utah, and whatnot. But any Pac-12 TV contract news, or lack thereof, is a Big 12 and BYU news, which is super interesting. We did not see this. What's your anticipation yeah. of sort of what could or or maybe won't happen relative to expansion or teams leaving the Pac-12 or San Diego State, who reportedly would owe 17 mil by July 1st if they leave, but that goes up to 51 mil if they don't leave by July 1st. 
What's your sense of uh, what could or may not happen there? Yeah, what I mean, if you're looking at the full spectrum of what could and could not happen, I mean, the whole thing's on Twitter right now, right? You have a, a whole <laughs> like group of experts, some of whom have expertise, so some of them definitely don't. It, and it's funny because I think the BYU-Utah dynamic is actually one of the reasons that this rivalry has really kind of blown up on social media uh, and, and a sense of tribalism around the Big 12, which absolutely did not exist like two years ago. Now now that's a thing. What, what, I can, what I can share based on what individuals with direct information have, have told me over the last couple of months is that schools that are currently in the Pac-12 would prefer to stay in the Pac-12. Uh, all, all things being equal, they value the academic prestige. They value being able to be to to, to count some of these other institutions as their peers, and they value a, a deep presence in California, not just to recruit athletes, but to recruit potential students. If the money and the access between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 became so enormous, or the exposure became so enormous that they would be breaking their fiduciary responsibility to, to leave. Then yes, then you could see a, a couple of a couple of schools potentially leave, but but that's not where we are, and that's not where we've been for several months, which is why Utah and the Arizonas and Colorado are still in this league. As best as I've been told, the Pac-12 is talking to a lot of people, uh, and not very many entities have completely said we're out. They're still talking to ESPN. They've talked to multiple streaming partners. They've had some kind of they've had some conversations with smaller linear channels here. When this actually happens, is a, is a guess as good, your guess is as good as mine, because what we've heard from the presidents and what we've heard from some of the, the industry folks has, uh, has have been deadlines and expectations that, that have been blown through. It is, I will say, it is very unusual for this process to be as noisy as it's been. Television contract negotiations for major conferences are really complicated. You know, just ask the Big Ten, who just as administrators are finding out that that deal they signed with Fox and CBS and NBC uh, maybe uh, last summer isn't the deal that they have right now. But you don't typically hear as much leak out into the media. And there are there are, there are some reasons for that. I understand why fans are frustrated. It will probably be resolved this summer. It's super interesting because, yes, it feels, um, you know, when, when everyone says, yeah, we're good, it feels like, well, we assumed you were good. Why'd you have to tell us? It's an interesting sort of PR campaign there. Did want to finish with this. Yeah. The transfer portal certainly has affected everybody in college football. BYU has signed something like 18 or 19 guys post uh, last season, which is the most uh, in the transfer portal era. In fact, it's all the other years combined. I wonder if the traditional high school athlete is going to be valued less uh, everywhere for transfer portal guys, but especially at BYU where sometimes when that, those kids go on missions, you have a unique perspective, not a BYU guy per se, but a member of the church, where you understand the dynamic here. BYU is trying to compete and compete right now. I wonder how many of those kids are going to be at BYU versus the past given the transfer portal where BYU can't afford to wait five years for them to be ready and a transfer portal guy, in theory, is ready right away. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think BYU is a really fascinating market for, for how they're going to view high school talent moving forward. This is a concern I've heard from coaches and ADs and high school coaches in multiple sports for, for a while. And, and, and I think in, in some markets, particularly the Intermountain West, that are not as heavily scouted as, say, 
Dallas or South Florida or the Great Lakes. They don't have as many major camps. It's more expensive to get evaluators and other people out there to go looking. Then it would be easier for maybe a good high school player to be overlooked. And as somebody that, you know, 10 years ago might have gone to Utah State, might end up in the big sky or at a JUCO. Somebody who out of high school might have gone to BYU 10 years ago might end up at Utah State. It's really important. It's always been important. I think it is especially important now for BYU heading into the Big 12 in multiple sports to substantially upgrade the 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 median athletes talent wise in order, in order to compete. This is not a league where you're you're, you're going to be competing against an Ohio State or an Alabama, you know, every single week where they have fifty five star guys. But it is a league where the depth of high three star you know, low four-star talent is much stronger than it's been for the, the back end of BYU schedules here for a while. And as players get hurt, it isn't so much can your top 22, you know, compete with Oregon State and TCU and Baylor. It's the guys that are on the on the two deep or farther below who need to start playing important snaps in October and in November. And for a lot of reasons, it's going to be difficult for BYU to sign a lot of four-star guys out of high school. It's going to be difficult in an NIL era where they're playing a different game than maybe some of the schools they're recruiting. And when players are uh, have a couple of years of college experience under their belt, they become a little bit more mature. They have a better idea about what's really important to them. They may become more attractive transfer candidates. I think it's going to be easier for BYU to get guys with higher level physical measurables through the portal than it might be out of high school, particularly if they're chasing athletes who are outside of Utah, maybe outside the, the Book of Mormon belt. But I can definitely understand that if you're an under-the-radar high school player that's whose dream school is BYU, the bar is going to be a little bit higher for you. And I think that in order to, to get there, I think that's going to be true for Boise State. I think that's going to be true for some schools in the Mountain West. I think it's going to be true for major programs that are not in gigantic metropolitan areas that produce 45 blue-chip kids a season. Is the Book of Mormon belt I-15 and I-80? What are we talking about specifically? I, you know, I, I've heard this called the Jello Belt. I've heard this <laughs> called a couple of different things. I look at it like Southern Idaho down through Utah into like Mesa and some of these Phoenix suburbs, a couple of the Vegas suburbs, maybe part of L.A., right? Like yep. that's 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 where most of our people live. And that's where most of the elite high school athletes who happen uh, to know what EFY is uh, tend to live. There's not, not as many of them here in my neck of the woods in Chicago. I think they've even changed that to something else now, right? What is oh, it? SFY well. or something? Uh, it's all over wait, the... Wait, what is well, it? That's just, that's just goes SF, to show. I'm, I'm holding yeah. out of touch. <laughs> my bad. F-S-Y. I see, I don't even know what it is. Um, and uh, randomly, Laie, uh, Hawaii. Uh, Matt, we appreciate the oh, time. Yeah, them too. Great insight, as always. And uh, we encourage people to check you uh, check your Extra Points newsletter out. How do they uh, subscribe? You bet. You can find Extra Points at www.extrapointsmb.com or on Twitter at Matt Brown EP. It's a newsletter that covers business, political, uh, and policy issues within college athletics. It's read by athletic administrations and students all over the state and throughout the country. And if it's interesting to them, it may be interesting to you too. Matt, thanks for the time, man. It's always my pleasure. Fantastic writer, great personality, and how about that pennant collection behind him that continues to grow? It's legit. He said that uh, any interview he does with different athletic directors or administrators, like they'll send him one to grow it, which is super cool. That's such a cool, unique backdrop, especially in our day and age where you, you do a lot of Zoom interviews and you, you need yeah. that. That's, that's a super cool take on Yeah, I noticed William and Mary was back there, which yeah. reminds me of uh, Dan Patrick doing his Lou Holtz of... Uh, talking about how <laughs> Bill and Mary put their pants on the same way we do.
It's like, wow. Yeah, yesterday, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> Dan Patrick. <laughs> Sorry, it's like, what'd you say? <laughs> what, Brother Holt? <laughs> yeah, if funny. you missed any interviews, Deep Blue Shows, games, you can find them on BYUSN.com or download the free BYU TV app. Up next is Zach Wilson, the <clears throat> excuse me, the best BYU quarterback since Steve Sarkeesian. It's an emotional question, isn't it? Mm. Who said it? Do you agree with them? We'll discuss next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's get to today's headlines as we welcome you back to Studio B. BYU football signs two more transfers. Receiver Keelan Marion from UConn and cornerback Camden Garrett from Weber State. Marion led the Huskies in receiving in 2021 before breaking his collarbone or clavicle in 2022. I didn't know clavicle was collarbone in fifth grade. I broke it. Somebody goes, oh, you broke your collarbone? I go, no, my clavicle. You'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. Uh, he has two years of eligibility. Garrett has one year after 37 games played for Jay Hale and Ogden at Weber State where he didn't allow a completion of 30-plus the last two seasons. Wow, BYU baseball has wrapped up their 2023 season with a weekend set of games against Pepperdine. The Cougars won big on Friday night, 17-9, but lost Saturday, 19-6. That's kind of a microcosm of the entire season for the Batcats. BYU will not make the West Coast Conference Tournament. They finished their season with a 24-28 overall record. More baseball news, specifically from Austin Deming, who wins the WCC Triple Crown, an incredible season. Boom, baby. And Deming was also named a Dick Hauser Trophy semifinalist. He had an in-the-park home run over the weekend as well. Amazing. Right there. Did Austin not just slide? Austin softball, He's so good. Softball made it to the NISC Championship, essentially the NIT of softball. Had a three-run lead in the seventh oh. before losing to Iowa 9-7 in the title game. Bummer there. Cougars went 35-17 and overall this season. NFL official team activities or OTAs begin today for 20 teams, including Zach Wilson with the Jets, Fred Warner with the 49ers, Jaron Hall with the Vikings, and Puka Nakua at the Rams. And how about some Cougars in the USFL? Troy Warner led the Memphis Showboats with 11 tackles. He had a pick and a 22-0 win over the Pittsburgh Maulers. Kai Nakua, three tackles, tackle for loss, pass breakup, fumble recovery for his new team, the Michigan Panthers, and a loss to Birmingham. And Diane Lake. Six tackles and a pass breakup for the Houston Gamblers and a 16-10 win over the New Jersey Generals. All defensive stars, and at BYU, they were all defensive backs, Jerome. How about that? Cougars hooping overseas. Elijah Bryant had 12.7 boards, five assists for Anadolu Efes in Turkey in a 94-71 win. And then Zach Selyus had 18 points, 10 boards for Tigers. Tubingen as they beat PSK Lions. Huge rivalry, as you know. 83-70 <laughs> to take a 2-0 series lead in the German Pro-A playoff semifinal. Down with PSK. Cougars in pro baseball, featuring Michael Rucker of the Chicago Cubs. Two and a third innings pitched, allowed two runs, two strikeouts, and a loss to the Phillies. Daniel Schneeman continues to swing a red-hot bat. 13 hits in his last four, or so he's hit safely in 13 of his last 14 games. And Jackson Clough had two hits over the weekend for the Harrisburg Senators. Those are today's headlines. Now, we whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. It's time to opinionate, Jerem. ESPN's Bill Connolly made a list of the 75 best college quarterbacks since 2000. Zach Wilson was the only Cougar who made the list, number 63. Connolly called Wilson the best BYU quarterback since... Steve Sarkeesian. Wow. Do you agree? No, I don't. I think Zach Wilson was the most heralded because he's the highest draft pick that BYU has ever had. 
and he took full advantage of a very unique 2020 COVID season. An incredible talent, but if we're talking like what you did at BYU, how do you overlook Max Hall and John Beck? And even Taysom Hill to Taysom Hill almost put up 10,000 yards of total offense. John Beck was the second round pick. He was awesome. Yeah, he Max trained Hall. Zach Wilson. Max Hall is the winningest quarterback in BYU history. Zach uh, crushed the uh, single season efficiency record. All three of those guys should be on the list. I feel like all three of those guys, meaning John Beck, Max Hall, and Taysom Hill, given Zach Wilson's scenario with that COVID schedule, would also have been off the charts amazing. Totally. Totally. Over the weekend, PGA Club Pro Michael Block. This was so cool. This is an amazing story. Love this. Not only made the cut of the PGA Championship, but finished top 15, so he gets an invite back next year to Valhalla. Hey, had an ace that he dunked on number 15. Like, it just went right into just the cup. In. <laughs> so who is the Michael Block equivalent of BYU Athletics? Sebastian Fernandez. Yes. BYU track and field. Last year, off the team, not on the team at all, makes the team, sets the 800 record at the Robinson <laughs> Invitational on BYU's track. Second team All-American out of nowhere. Maybe Jake Oldroyd is the other one. Off the block. The green cleats. Shows up. Who is this guy? Wins game, the game. Kick and Kalani Stocky's first yes. game. That was awesome, man. <laughs> okay, uh, Coy Johnson, creative video photographer for BYU Athletics, does great work. Shot this beautiful video of Jacob Wilkes' home run on Friday night. Does this give you Sandlot vibes? A little bit. We, the we just needed fireworks in the background, right? Yeah. That, that's the only thing that could have made this shot better. But this is amazing from Coy. I mean, just the Oh, we don't have the video. You got you to go uh, to BYU Baseball. We both tweeted about it. Yep. BYU Baseball did yep. it. The majesty of the shot with the mountains in the background. It's dusk. It's a home run, no less, for BYU. How many takes? And the movement of the camera, yep. so smooth. Yep. like. The slider looked nice. I watched it probably 30 times. Just to boost the numbers? <laughs> well, maybe. Nice. But I just was like, this is such a beautiful shot. It's beautiful. Nice job. Nice Coming job. up, uh, we've got our own tea time. Speaking of golf, you know. With, oh, uh, I got excited for a second. Mr. Block on the mind. See what you did there. It's a tea time for an interview with Carson Lundell and Zach Jones of BYU hey. Men's Golf. They're on to the national championship round. Shh. You're talking about golf. Sorry, they're on to the national championship on round. 14. Next on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B alongside Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. It is our pleasure now to welcome back in two stars from BYU Men's Golf as they prepare for nationals. Got through regionals like just champions. Just made a huge charge there in the last day. Uh, Zach Jones, Carson Lundell, it's great to see you Hello, both guys. back in Studio B. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's good to be back. Let's go. This is a unique course we learned from Todd Miller. He had never played it, you know, and there aren't many courses that Todd Miller has never played, let alone <laughs> yeah. heard of. But you go out and you do your thing in California. What was the track like as you began regionals and it being a unique course like that? Carson, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, well, it was just crazy because, like, there's no information on the course. You have no idea what it's like. All we knew that it was really long and it was supposedly really hard. And for us, we, as a team, we can hit the driver really well and we can hit it pretty far. So a little bit longer than other teams for the most part. So we actually felt like we had an advantage. So we were like, okay, this is gonna fit our game perfectly because as a team, we feel like our driver is our strength. And so I think going into it, we were just so excited and, and we had some momentum coming. 
um, you know, from the WCC championship, the Cougar Classic, and yeah. then feels like everyone on the team medalist at the U.S. Open qualifiers. So it was like, <laughs> yeah, everyone doing work. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, I mean, we had everything going for us, and then we get to go play this, you know, Area 51 of golf golf course and so it's, we're just like, it's some guy's uh, private course yeah yes, right yes, yes. and morgan hill yeah, yeah and i mean it's ultra private and so we're just like this is perfect so yeah we we're just so excited you mentioned you hit driver well you hit driver well when you've got a driver that functions yeah zach told us <laughs> about the the spare driver that he carried there um that that ended up being uh kind of this lucky moment right where he's prepared and gets you the extra driver what happened to break your driver oh man yeah zach was a so much power, right? yeah yeah just so much torque and you know <laughs> i get angry at you know <laughs> no, i'm just kidding but i it was very first first hole of the wcc championship and of the final round and i just hit this drive and it kind of was like this dud like like fall from the air hook and i was like Okay, like I maybe didn't hit that great, but that was pretty bad. <laughs> and like for a normal person, that's I'm an not average used shot. To this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For you, and it's like, no, and I was just like so confused, and and I was, I mean, a little embarrassed because I was like, "What was that?" <laughs> and I was looking at my driver, and I could see a crack, and I could feel a dent, and I'm like, "Oh no, this is not good. Like, this is not good." And so I called over Todd, um, Coach Miller, and was just like, "Hey, like, we got an issue, man. Like." <laughs> And so he grabbed it and went and talked to some rules officials. And for whatever reason, they didn't know what was going on. They didn't even know you could take the head off the club. And so we had to get a hold of the USGA and gosh, thank heaven Zach had an extra head with him. And Zach to the rescue. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Yeah. Got to count on me. So are you bringing an extra head to oh, the yeah. championship? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody bring Everybody an extra driver head. We, we yeah. got six extra heads going, but to, you're the, good. going to the tournament. Yeah. You're good. Oh, that's great. Okay, Zach, uh, unique course as Carson set up. Yeah. You see it when you're seeing it for the first time in your practice round. What, what's going through your mind, this exclusive track? Well, first of all, it felt like we were the first ones to ever play it. I mean, there wasn't, there Ooh. was not a single divot, not a single ball mark. Like, all the bunkers are perfectly raked. We had the whole course to ourselves. I think they say, like, on average, they get, like, one group or two groups out there each day. Oh, my goodness. There's, like, 48 members. And, like, the, so wow. the course is untouched. And no one's ever seen it. For like 18 years, there was no members. It was only the, the owners were the only people that were. So it's only had members for like a couple of years now. So the course is just super cool. We're, and it's just every single hole is different and you're, you're back in these hills and on these mountains. So super cool course and we were just excited to see it. And I think that excitement kind of helped us go into the first rounds, just excited to play it and excited for the challenge because it is hard, but when it's a fun course, you can kind of accept the challenge and embrace it. So it was, yeah. it was a good practice round. So that momentum has carried on because that, especially day three, you guys shoot a, 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 what, four or five under, and you guys take second, and you move on, which is awesome. Zach, you crushed it as the individual leader for BYU. Now you head to uh, Greyhawk Golf Club in Scottsdale this week, and the Sunday play thing comes in. But as we were talking during the break, Carson, you guys have done this twice in the last couple of years, where you have to play your, your third round on Thursday by yourselves. Yeah. How will that experience aid you guys in, in that weird situation that is uh, BYU playing on Thursday every year? Yeah, so it's a, it's a super, super unique kind of experience. You know, not very often do you just have one, 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 you know, five guys, an entire golf course to yourself. Like, nothing else. Sounds like you just did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. You're right. Kind of, kind of that way. Like a practice round, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but just going out as singles and mm -hmm. just having the whole entire hole to yourself your own thoughts, you know, you don't really have much, you know, people to talk to. Um, but the way I've kind of looked at it is, well, my freshman year we made it and 
I didn't, I had no idea what to expect. Like, and I don't know if you really can know what to expect, but what I took from it is like, man, like this is the coolest thing ever. Like, you know, we got everyone on the team, you know, we're all good buddies and we're playing on the biggest stage in college golf and we have the whole freaking course to ourselves. <laughs> and like, I look, and at the time I would think I was playing the three spot and like, I looked forward and I saw, you know, one of my buddies, I looked back and another one and it was just like, you can just see this trail. And I'm like, this is like the coolest thing ever. Like something like I'll never forget. And so to have the opportunity, you know, for my third time now at BYU, it's like, I'm just excited. Like it's, it's a really, really, really cool and unique opportunity. And I think that if you look at it that way, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, like we're going to remember this forever, mm-hmm. forever. And just really try to embrace that. Then I think, you know, we can, we can use it to our advantage. This is a great era of BYU men's golf. Carson Lundell and Zach Jones are with us to preview nationals. And I want to talk about the adversities that you have overcome in recent tournaments at the West Coast Conference Championships <clears throat> and most recently uh, at regionals when you were ninth place after day one. You had some work to do. And it got a little hairy for you in the West Coast Conference Championships. So, Zach, how will those tournaments and those experiences help you handle the unique situation that Carson was just talking about, but then when the pressure ramps up to normal and you're playing with other guys on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think at Greyhawk, you're going to expect some some bad breaks and some tough holes and tough conditions. So there's going to be, we know at one point in those three first rounds that we're going to have a tough stretch and that we're going to have to maybe even try to save some bogeys on some holes. And so I think having gone through that in the last couple tournaments, we're going to be prepared because you got to have just patience and trust, patience with yourself and trust in the other guys on your team that they're going to pull around too and kind of pull their weight at the end. So I think just having gone through it just two tournaments in a row, I think we're going to be able to stay really patient through those tough stretches and then wait for the putters to get hot and the drivers to get hot and then we can make a run and come back like we've been doing the last couple tournaments. I wanted to ask you guys about uh, the PGA Championship, specifically Michael Block. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a crazy story yesterday. What did you guys think of that? Because he, he is not the everyman. Like, he's really good, right? Yeah. But for him to show up and be top 15 and ace a hole and, like, qualify for Valhalla next year, like, that's amazing. That was so cool to It's watch. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You know, it was cool to see a PGA professional, you know, who had to qualify in, had to beat a whole bunch of other guys to get in to just take advantage of that opportunity and, I mean, really changes life, so it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's sweet. I mean, for a head pro at a golf club, getting a check like that is probably probably pretty helpful for him. And it was cool <laughs> just seeing him seeing him out there. He's got just his Odyssey two ball putter, and he's got like a hand drawn sharpie line, on it. just like your typical just head pro, just out there just yep. playing good golf on a on the biggest stage, you know, in a major championship. It was really cool to watch. It's cool um, to see his. Uh, Everyone at his course, like, going crazy. Yes. Oh, like, yeah. those videos were really Did fun. you see the commercial that he did for the golf course? No. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It. He's got a great personality. Um, with that said, we wish you the best of luck at Nationals. All Super the karma we can you. give you. Continue yes. to play well. We Enjoy. won't complain if there's great weather for you on Thursday and bad weather on Sunday. <laughs> I feel like it's worked, it's worked against you in the past. Yeah, we're yeah. It's true. Of it. Yeah, we're due. You're due. Yeah, you're due so for due. some good weather. And Cougar right, fans man. in the Valley, get out to Scottsdale and go watch this at the Greyhawk Golf Club Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Go check out the Cougs. Love it. Congratulations, guys. Thank We're you. stoked. We're we'll watching. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Up next on BYU Sports Nation, uh, yeah, we need to give our rise and shout out to a pair of sensational senior bat cats. This is BYU Sports Nation. Look at that shot. Mm. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Radio apps to listen to the pod, subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, what do you think? Was BYU's time in the West Coast Conference as an athletic program a success? Caleb McKay on Instagram answers, for most sports like soccer, volleyball, softball, cross country, track and field. Track and field lot. was never in the WCC. But they're so not. We yeah, yeah. yeah, cross country was. Yep. Yes, but with men's basketball never winning a regular season or tournament championship, there is unfinished business left on the table. Well, it's going to stay on that table. Yeah, there's not, nothing and, to do better now. And I've said it before. I really hope BYU men's basketball wins a conference championship, but they may not ever again. In the Big 12, that is quite the ask. But if it happens, that's unbelievable. Do we think the BYU is going to win a Big 12 title but never won a WCC title? Like, that logic makes no sense. But it's not about winning a conference championship in men's basketball. It's about making the NCAA tournament and making a run. BYU has been to the Sweet 16 plus twice, all time. BYU needs to get so good and so weathered in conference that it can go into the tourney and it's like, get hot, win four these games. are easier than the league games. Get hot, win four games, and win the tournament championship. I would rather win two games in the NCAA tournament. Um, oh, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. I'm just saying it feels more likely that BYU, if they're going to win any sort of championship in the Big 12 in men's basketball, it'd probably be getting hot for four games and doing it that yeah, way. Yeah, you're not going to win the 18-game tournament. No way. No. No. It's okay. It's okay. Kansas and <laughs> Baylor and Houston, and they're amazing. Oh, that's why fans are fans, right? Throw on your blue goggles, hope for the best in the next sometime in the next 20 years. Maybe football's got a way better chance than basketball in that regard. Brandon Bourget is our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare. Oh, that it said it ended with BYU in a Power Five league, and that was the goal. So yeah, it was a success. I don't think that had much to do with WCC, frankly. But okay. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's give it to Austin Deming and Cole Gamble. Homers in their last games. Uh, Cole was emotional on his trot around the base. That was awesome. Pretty cool. That was fantastic. Our thanks to today's guests, Matt Brown, Carson Lundell, and Zach Jones. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and on BYUSN.com. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Bobby Clampett. Go Cougs!